this edition of Hoopsology, we welcome a lead columnist at The Athletic and author of Dynasties, the 10 Go Teams That Changed the NBA Forever, which is out now, Marcus Thompson II. Please note this podcast was recorded on Monday, October 25th. Thompson covers the Golden State Warriors, and he discusses what is behind the Warriors' hot start, Clay Thompson being left off the NBA 75 list, and a lot more. And now, Marcus Thompson II. He is a lead columnist for The Athletic and the author of Dynasties, the 10 Go teams that changed the NBA forever, which is out now. We welcome Marcus Thompson II onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Marcus? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. This is, this is a treat. And I, I apologize that my, uh, my office is not quite built to the standard of the show, clearly. I mean, the, oh. the, the decorum <laughs> behind you two is definitely make me feel unworthy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a dentist office or something now. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, just try to, I don't know, make it a little bit decorative compared to just some time. Wall. Give me time. <laughs> I, I just need a little bit of time. You know, You'll you know, be, there. be there. Well, I appreciate you coming on to the show, Marcus. And I would say you're one of the foremost authorities on the, on the Golden State Warriors. So it's appropriate to have you on now. And they've gotten out to a really hot start three and no after recording of this podcast. And just a general question. What do you think of the team so far? Steph Curry seems to be, you know, back at it, back to, back to his, you know, his previous season, killing it, you know, through three point range and just being the, the leader on this team. What do you see so far? And why do you think they've been overlooked? It seems like in terms of like the title, you know, contenders, the warriors are ignored and not mentioned. So what do you've seen so far from the team as early this season, but what are your impressions? Uh, I think they're I think they're pretty good. Uh, they're they're better than last year for sure, and and last year I expected them to be like that. I thought they they'd max out at a five seed last year, so they're better. I th- I could see them getting as high as four. Everything a lot of stuff I have to break right, but they're a really good team, man. They they are. Here's why people overlook them. There's two reasons. Uh, I'm gonna get philosophical, right? One of them is because it's it's just hard for people to see the greatness in a six foot three guard who doesn't jump out of the gym. And I think no matter it, it's not even just a, a a Steph thing. It's like yo LeBron, Giannis, Kevin Durant, like those feel like natural title contenders. People forget, I think, that Steph is a monster, right? Like he is a monster mm-hmm. and. Like he he he's just a problem to deal with. Uh, him and Clay together, it's it's just I don't know anybody who would want to face them in the playoffs. They have championship experience. They shoot the lights out. They're just terrifying. So I do think there's a little bit out of play. But also the second reason is when people think Warriors, they think of Dynasty. They think of Kevin Durant. And I hate listen. I hate to break it to you. That era is done. Like, mm. it's over. <laughs> it's over. You know what they are now? They're just a regular good team. <laughs> That's what they are. They're, they're a good team that if they get hot at the right time, they'll be a problem. And as long as they got Steph Curry, they're in, they're they're a threat just because Steph Curry's literally one of the best players to ever play the game. So I think they're sitting pretty good. They just need a lot to go right. But they're in the mix with – you know, teams like Utah, Denver, 
Dallas, Portland. They they all are really good teams, but they all have like a major flaw that kind of mm-hmm. caps where they can be. And it's like, all right, it like Dallas will be great if Porzingis plays at an all-star level. That's a huge mm-hmm. if. Mm-hmm. If it happens, they're incredible, right? Like, so yeah. <laughs> it's it's that type of stuff. The Warriors are are gonna be a problem. The Warriors are gonna be a problem if Clay Thompson comes back healthy, right? Like, so they're just like the rest of them. Uh, you got the teams like Brooklyn. Can I put the Lakers up there still? I don't know. You got teams like Phoenix, right? I still think the <laughs> Lakers, you know. But, like, those teams are loaded, right? And they're kind of a, a step above. But that second-tier group is pretty crowded, and I think they're in it. It's just Steph is so good, dude. Like, like you're going to – how many games are the Warriors going to win just because the opponent don't really feel like dealing with this dude? You don't feel like chasing yeah. them around all night. And it's like, yo, we're we're coming in here on the back-to-back. We yep. got a big game going. We're not we're not chasing all you dudes around. We're not covering the three. Like they're gonna win ten extra games just because of that, right? So I, I think they'll be fine. They'll be incredible to watch in the playoffs because whoever they play are getting like three championships coming for them. Is Steph Curry? You mentioned him just being underrated, and I I think by your comments, probably disrespected. Is that kind of like a backwards reason why Clay Thompson was left off the you know the top seventy five players list? It just that that you know you talking about that just I think it directly relates to Clay Thompson too because he's massively disrespected and everything that he's achieved in his career. It seemed like he was kind of like an afterthought in terms of being put on that, that list that came out recently of the top 75 players. And, you know, he did not make it, which was a, a shocker. And I know other people are saying, you know, Dwight Howard, maybe Vince Carter, but I think Clay Thompson is clearly ahead of both of them, which a lot more left. Really? I think, I think so far in terms of his shooting ability, come on, I was, Matt, you got to help him out. I don't know. I, I, I just, have Dwight myself. I, I, I under, I under those first I, nine years. <laughs> I, I, I understand, but just that backcourt, I just think with Clay Thompson, he's kind of like labeled as Steph Curry's sidekick, or any other team, he'd be like viewed very differently. And I just I feel his anger in terms of being left off that list. So I just want to get your opinion in terms of you. You have intimate knowledge of this team. Why do you think overall? My question is, is just like I feel like they're respected, but not totally respected. Like they kind of they're in that lane. But like in terms of being featured as like the prominent duo in the NBA, they're not given those flowers. Yeah, I think it's gotten better over the years. Like I wrote about I wrote a biography on Steph in 2017. Uh and that was a chapter in there, just how like the disrespect of Steph. And hmm. part of it is he's six foot three, and he that like he just isn't a scary dude, right? Like not on the surface, you know. He's the baby face assassin, right? Because like his disposition is so contrary. Uh, he's a devout like Christian who ain't about no smoke, right? He's a family man with beautiful kids and a wife, right? Like Plays he's golf. just not. Yeah, he plays golf, right? He's just not an intimidating fella. So there's a lot of people who look at him and you're just like, man, I could I could shut him down. He's been dealing with this his entire life. You know, he <laughs> he crossed the tracks in the Charlotte, go play in the hood. And they'd be like, man, I could him and his brother, like the little dudes on the court, they out here like hitting jumpers from everywhere and People are like, man, I can shut him down. Like, it's like Oscar Robertson. All you got to do is push up on him. Like, they've been hearing that their entire <laughs> life. Like, people just think, like, you can kind of dominate them, like, in a way you would never say about LeBron. 
right? LeBron is six mm-hmm. foot eight, built like a machine, runs like a gazelle. It's like when Le- when LeBron dog you, like it's all right. Like I just, that was LeBron. Did you see that freight train? When <laughs> Steph is cooking you, like it's like you losing to a dude in Bible school, right? And that's, that's like that that kind of doesn't sit well with people. Uh, and I also think a big part of it was, and, and he came out of nowhere, man. Like from yeah. from the superstar perspective, like all of these dudes, we we've seen them since they were like fifteen. We knew they were coming, right? From KG to LeBron to Kobe, like KD, like we all was like, okay, that dude is about to be next. Steph was in the league, what for five years before he won a title. <laughs> Like, you know, mm-hmm. he was there for a while. So he, he just came out of nowhere then. Boom, he's a superstar. So in many ways, he jumped the line. It wasn't supposed remember, it was the Clippers' turn with Chris mm-hmm. Paul and Lobsy. It was their turn. Uh, it was Oklahoma City's turn. Here comes Steph. He jumped the line. And, you know, that that created some resentment. But mostly, I just think in order to be like that tier superstar, like we just got to, as fans, and media and the the fraternity of basketball we just gotta hate you for a little bit first to see if you're worth it right <laughs> like we just gotta like that you all go through the gauntlet of we love you as you're the sexy you're coming up you're the underdog story then you get too big then we gotta break you down and if you survive that you're exalted in the end and that's that's how it's gone for bill russell that's how it went for michael jordan like you go down the line if you get to a certain level, there's no way you can escape the the heat. Like you're gonna get it, and Steph had to endure it. And I think now they come out on the other side of it. I, I think he's getting the respect now that he wasn't getting a few years ago. But it's but to your point, it's still not commiserate with his ability, right? Like, and can you imagine in th- in 30 years or you know 20 years, there's gonna be some youngsters coming up you know, after Trey Young, right? And they're going to be talking about he's the greatest shooter ever. And you and I are going to be somewhere, like, with <laughs> great everywhere, talking right. about, man, y'all know nothing about no Steph Curry, right? Like, that dude never missed. He went a whole month without missing. Like, we just, you know, he, that's, to me, what Steph is going to get his full just do. <laughs> but, like, it's it's kind of how we talk about Drazen Petrovic now, right? It's like, Drazen Petrovic used to pull up from the other, like, the other three-point line, like, so he'll get that, but you're right. He doesn't get that that reverence, uh, but he does. You know where he gets it? Oddly enough, the tie changed because LeBron started giving it to him, and that was a big difference. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as Clay, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to argue on this one. Okay, <laughs> Clay ain't on no top seventy five. I'm sorry, okay. I love Clay. That's my play cousin, man. Like we we Thompsons. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on Dwight Howard. I'm not putting Clay in over Grant Hill. Grant Hill was an absolute monster when he played. Now he doesn't have the resume because of injuries, but if you just said, "Man, who are you taking?" I'm taking Grant Hill. And Clay's curse is he is a sidekick. He's never led the war. He's never led a team by himself, and he's never had to. Uh, now he's he is you know you know where Clay is, and this is probably the best you can say about Clay. He's he's our version of Scottie Pippen, the guy who is the perfect number two. So much so. He will never get his full credit because he was number two. But man, that number one dude is like, I can't win without him, right? Like it was it's, he's he is so perfect to be next to Cle- next to Steph in that way. Now, if you put him on another team, I think he he'd obviously be a great player, right? He'd obviously 
be able to, you know, have a great career. I don't know if they'd win. Like mm. he just got a ability to handle. Clay don't pass the ball. Like you, no. <laughs> you know, saying Clay just like yo. I'm, when Kevin Durant came. He like yo. I'm not changing anything. <laughs> and this is Kevin Durant. So I just I see him as our, the modern version of Scottie Pippen. I mean, just incredible. Clearly an elite player. Clearly a Hall of Famer. And he just so happened to be next to an all time great. And he made that all time great better, which is probably even a greater compliment. But no. yeah, there's a lot of guys. I mean, look, you could take some guys off the list. I don't know why we hate. I never watched Walt Bellamy. I don't know. Was he nice? <laughs> I have no idea, right? But I do feel like there's a lot of guys who don't get enough credit just because of our recency bias, and we just don't have the footage. So I, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be wanting, I'd want to investigate those guys first before I just anoint clay because like as i you know as i wrote in the book that i just released like one of the things that really stood out to me was how man we so disrespectful to our legends and we spend so much time pitting them against each other that we don't really see how they actually stack upon each other like one one generation kind of builds on what the previous one did so like you could say it's better but you literally don't have any of this without george mikan Right. Yeah. Like you yeah. don't you don't have any of this without Bill Russell. So it feels more it feels more profitable for the, the community of basketball and sports if we spend more time talking about how great they were instead of, you know, killing them for playing with itty bitty shorts and eighteens. <laughs> yeah. Marcus, you mentioned recency bias too, and I can't help but think how much the last two seasons hurt Clay's resume as well. Just the fact that he wasn't really in the public eye, like on the basketball court. I mean, if if he's there, the Warriors are having more success. Maybe they're not winning titles necessarily, but I mean, that maybe also makes him hit a few more, you know, a few more of those milestones that can carry that momentum into getting on the list. Um, what are your thoughts on just quickly? This is kind of off Warriors, but Damian Lillard making that list. That's that's the big one of the modern era players that was on there that, you know, people were, were kind of blowing up about how do you feel about his entry into the NBA 75? I mean, I love Dame. I think everyone loves Dame. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't start. Don't start with this. Don't start with this. Where's Damian Lillard from? Oakland. <laughs> Does Dame, should Dame be on the 75? Absolutely. Where is he from? (laughs) Where is he from? Not so. um, Like, like, if 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 Clay should be on, Dame should be on. Like, it's. I just think it's a different monster when you have to carry a team, and even though they haven't won a title, I mean, they went to the Western Conference Finals. They're they're a fifty win team every year. Like Dirk is a monster like and they 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 eventually won a title and i think if dame does that it'll kind of change that narrative about him but if dirk don't win that title is he still not dirk like we still would be like yo that dude was bad and obviously that takes some out of it but to me uh, it's just like you get extra bonus points if you carry the team like if the yeah. scout is pointing to you first to me that's more difficult now again just to be 100 with it, if we start examining some of these players who we often forget about, 
Dame would definitely be one of the recent ones who got to go, right? If we start finding way to say, you know, I, I don't know, man. I just why I wish I wish my father was around. He he died twenty years ago, but he would have been like, "What? You didn't see? You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I need that I need that OG in the barbershop just to say, man, y'all don't know what y'all are talking about. This guy was, you know, X. So I I know we spend a lot of time having fun at these at their expense, right? We we've seen the videos of Bob Cousy like dribbling with his palm, right? <laughs> like <laughs> we're like, yeah. man, this dude ain't that good. <laughs> So it's kind of easy, but man, it was some, man, it was some real life hoopers, man. Like it was some, it was some monsters, and I just, I just hope we don't forget about them in, in that, in that process. Yeah, I think it's cool to see how the games evolved. Like seeing that that older footage too, you know, to right. realize what this has turned into, and, and definitely, I mean, you have to weigh like greatness in their era as well. Yeah. That that has to factor in, I think. So who's in first for you, Chris Paul or Damian Lillard? I'm gonna have to go with Chris Paul for myself. So he's just hating Oakland. You just hating uh, Oakland. <laughs> I see what's happening. <laughs> no hate on Oakland for sure. I I used to be near the Bay Area growing up. No, I'm just no hate but on. Essentially, sure. like Chris Paul's done it for longer. Yeah, and he has kind of Chris Paul. What's so great about Chris Paul is he has been an elite point guard in multiple eras. Yeah, right. Remember, he was like the truest of true point guards back when you had to be the floor general, right? And all that. Mm-hmm. And we we actually, when the last time you seen assist to turnover ratio, like on a box, like <laughs> nobody <laughs> even talks about that. That used right. to be a major stat, right? You yep. had to be at least three to one. So like he's transitioned and at every level. Now it's like, yo, your point guard got to get buckets. And Chris Paul could get buckets. So he's done it at every, the game change and Chris Paul's still at the top. But so I would give Chris Paul the nod too, just you know, despite my Oakland bias. But when you start talking about accomplishments, like Dame is right there. <laughs> they both, you know, I think you know Chris Paul just went to the to the uh, the finals, right? So he got a step further. But yeah, he's had what same. like seven more years than Dame, something like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's like it's, some it's of this is timing too. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's about the same. Like so. Yeah, it's it's all like it's great to talk about. It's incredible to talk about it. But really, how good was Dolph Chase? Like, do we know? Who knows? He was. Like, a I don't know if Bill Sharma was good. Right. Like, who knows? <laughs> That's what makes it interesting. Is we don't know. It. We don't know half these dudes on this list. True. Well, another thing on this list was you know when they released the top fifty players, you know Shaq was controversial. Them adding him. So you have to think like back at back then it was according to a lot of people. I mean, I was a, I was in grade school when they released that list, but according to people, they were asking. Oh, no, it was the hot. League. No, it was hot. Yeah, they were. Yeah, were hot. So I'm just wondering now with Luca, like it's very apparent that he's going to be top fifty. I think when it's all said and done, you take a flyer on Luca, or you say it's too early. It's I mean, too early. Yeah, yeah. At that point, like when was the when was the top fifty release? At that point, had Shaq won a title? I don't know. That was, I believe, was like one of Jordan's last years, like close to like the second dynasty. Well, he was the... still with Orlando at the time. I believe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They made the finals. I mean, he got cooked by a king. Yeah. <laughs> and you know yep. the thing about Shaq at the time, which was hard to fathom, he was so physically just domineering. Yep. It almost didn't feel fair. 
right? Mm-hmm. It felt like it just felt like you know, I don't know, but new bowl being seven five or whatever. It's like, bro, you just talk, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it almost, you know, we've we heard this type of thinking when James Harden said, Giannis, man, you just seven foot, and you could dunk. Like if I was seven foot, like where you kind of say this person doesn't have skill, they're just a physical specimen. That was kind of the book on Shaq. But we just had we hadn't seen nothing like that before. Ever. Ever. We've seen nothing like that. He was like Mike Tyson yeah. of basketball, right? Luca, we've seen before. Like, <laughs> you know, we like he's kind of a mosh. So I'm with you. I think Luca's gonna be there. I probably wouldn't have put him on. I mean, you put Luca over Clay. I wouldn't. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's just tough, yeah. man. Yeah. You know the biggest thing. robbery in his whole <laughs> list that nobody talk about? The biggest, the biggest snub that I haven't heard mentioned once, which is a travesty, and it shows the lack of basketball knowledge in America. How is Paul George not on this list? Paul George, top oh, seven five. No, I'll just play. <laughs> <laughs> like, <"Whoa>. spicy take. <laughs> I know. Right? Man, to be like, yeah, uh, he cannot be on hoopsology. He cannot be on. Uh... <laughs> I love Paul George, though, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm Me too. Um, I want to ask you, Marcus, in one of your articles, you mentioned kind of the home court advantage of, you know, where the Warriors are playing. Can you kind of go over that? I know there's a concern from them moving from like the old Oracle Arena to the new arena that's in San Francisco. Um, and now there's like, you know, I believe full capacity fans there. Like, how's the vibe there compared to, you know, when the Warriors were playing back in their old arena? I know there's like a massive concerns in terms of moving the arenas. Um it has the home court advantage transferred over. Has there been a little bit of like a transitional period? What is? I know it's three games in, but have you, from what you've seen so far, have you sensed any kind of a difference there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's dramatic, and it's nothing like the old building, right? Oh wow! Even the former players will tell you that, right? Or the mm-hmm. players who played Steph, Draymond, and they'll be like, "This is nothing like Oracle." I think what we have seen. It might be there might be a shot because up until this point, it felt kind of sterile, right? Oh, wow. What is this? I got stuff popping up on my computer. Hold on. Up up until this point, it felt kind of I don't know. They were bad. They weren't good, right? The first year it was like the D'Angelo Russell Warriors that <laughs> didn't work work out. The next year, uh, remember Steph broke his hand four games in, so most of the season was without Steph. Then the pandemic happened. Last year was no fans. So, you know, Chase is the kid who started in the orphanage, right? Like, <laughs> this is like a foster kid who got the hard scrabble beginning, right? Like, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a wild analogy. Y'all, I can't believe y'all let that roll. <laughs> but but it's, it's been rough for Chase to start, right? And it already had the odds stacked against it because everybody was like, this is San Francisco. This is like fancy in Silicon Valley. It's very techy. A lot of rich people. It won't be the same. And it's not the same. But we've seen that it, it's, it could be something, right? It could be it, it could be something in the in the way modern arenas can be something. And but I, I think the problem with Chase and Oracle is not a, a Bay Area problem. It's a sports problem. Like it's just too expensive. Like it's just it's just too expensive, and it's costing billions to to erect these stadiums, and people got to get their money back. So, 
the tickets are going to be high, which it just limits. The, the, the great part about Oracle was the diversity of the crowd. Like, it was just, I mean, I grew, I grew up there, right? And you saw everything. It was the tech techies. It was the barbershop owners. It was the bus drivers, right? It was the drug dealers who didn't want to go to the club, right? Like, it was, it, you saw everything at Chase. You saw, you got the community at Chase. And there, because of that, it, it, it felt there was a different feeling there. And and now that's that's just not the case. It's just more of a like, yo, we it's like yo, Chase and Oracle got a little bit like this at the end because the ticket prices got so high. But now it's just like I got bread. It's like a, a stunting thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. yo, we go on a chase, I got money, uh, we about to eat uh lobster rolls and you know what I'm saying, drink wine and watch the Warriors. So that's to me just kind of how sports is becoming. But man, it was like Steph is just incredible, man. He he'll just he'll turn he'll turn like you know the dentist office into a place to party. Like there's just there's just a <laughs> level of excitement he generates because you just don't know what he's about to do. I mean, he literally just pulled it from forty feet. Like it, there's an exhilaration there, and then when Clay come back, it's like oh, okay, but you heard that you were like oh. All right, Chase. You might you might actually grow into something. Look at you defying the odds and overcoming adversity. Look at Chase. <laughs> Marcus, I wanted to get your feel also on just kind of the pulse of this team. They've been through so much together. I mean, you mentioned like the early days of Steph Curry, where you know, a couple of years in, we weren't sure kind of what his ceiling was gonna be, and nobody projected you know, it would, it would end up like how his MVP seasons uh, came out. Um, this team going through all they've been through before KD, after KD, with KD, uh, you know, a bit of off-season drama with <laughs> Draymond and, and KD having that interview together, talking a little bit about management. How is the oh, team that's doing light right work. now? That ain't no drama. Yeah. That was light. They literally, Draymond cussed him out on the court, like, <laughs> After that, it's all down. It's all right. downhill. It's like, oh, people were saying that. Like, oh, just, somebody, I think I was listening to a podcast and somebody was like, this might be the end of the Warriors. So I was like, really? <laughs> well, really? and I, I mean, more so with like, uh, no, like the relationship with like Bob Myers and, and those guys. Like, I mean, from your sense, it, it seems like, you know, there's no signs. I mean, we don't have like, AD and Dwight, you know, <laughs> fighting on the yeah. bench uh, like we did the other night with the Lakers or anything like that. Seems like everyone's cool. Is is that your sense? Is is there any type of strain like after all these years together? No, nah, I mean, there is definitely strain. Like, you know, we've written about it, talked about it. Like there, there's a contingent of the Warriors who like, yo, you got Steph Curry, you got Draymond Green, and you about to have Clay. Like it's title or bust, hmm. you know. Uh, they want to win. They want to win another championship. And then you got, you know, the the ownership side, the management side, who are like, y'all 30 plus, and we got to start preparing for the day y'all not here. Right? So that tension is there. It's been there, right? That's part of what, that's part of why Draymond feels so free to pop off with KD, right? He's <laughs> like, yo, and he's been on the record. He said it. Like, you know, we haven't, nobody's ever done this before. And, you know, you, in the offseason, I reported that they were trying to get Bradley Beal. They want they want somebody to help them win now. 
They don't care about draft picks. They don't care about young talent. They want somebody to help them win right now. So that tension exists even from the 15th roster spot where, you know, there's there's some, the win now crowd wanted Avery Bradley, a guy who got a lot of playoff experience, who late in the season they could count on. They just, you know what you're getting with Avery Bradley. And the Warriors cut Avery Bradley and signed Gary Payton II, who's not, you know, he's 28, he doesn't, but he still doesn't have a lot of experience. He's been like a guy trying to find his place in his league. You know, super athletic, you know, one of those defensive specialists could grow into something, but definitely an unknown. So it's, it's kind of those two schools of thought clashing, right? And I do think the season is important. Um, the, the Warriors need to be really good, and they need these youngsters to be really good so then they can turn to these old heads and be like, hey, y'all play basketball. We, <laughs> we'll handle the GM. But, man, if it don't go well and these youngsters don't produce, now you got dudes with rings and eating up most of your salary cap saying, I told y'all, <laughs> we, we, we've won before. We know what it takes. And you can't be doing this with inexperienced dudes. We need some veterans. So uh, this this is a I do think this is an important season. Um, yeah, it seems be like a lot of right. They could just they at some point they could say you know what one 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 side might get tired of the other. Like who knows if they win, it kind of solves it all, right? And everything is point to Clay coming back. So if yeah, Clay comes back. My Clay follow-up. looks great. Yeah. It all points to Clay's coming back. They're not as they're not as young as some people think they are. There are a lot of old heads. What they don't have is players who can defend at a championship level. And they don't have players who could create offense at, 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 like against great defense. And mm-hmm. if you're Steph and you're Draymond and you're Clay, and you know you're like a couple assistant coaches, you know you're gonna need that. Right, like you know, at some point we gonna need somebody who can play some like lights out defense, and we know we need somebody who's gonna be able to score when LeBron is locked in and know all of our plays after four years of meeting this dude in the finals. Right, so they kind of know that. To me, that's what they need. They 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 just need to be really good, not win at all. If they if they make a deep playoff run and give give one of those performances where the home crowd cheer you. On the loss, you know, say where to give you a standing ovation, like man, y'all had a good year. Yeah, hopefully, it's enough to entice another, like, not another really good player to join them, and then they go for a title run. But there is tension, no question about it. Marcus, um, before we let you go, I want to ask you about your latest book, um, Dynasties. And when just reading the synopsis about it, it kind of flashed me back kind of to the last dance, just because. I felt like younger fans before that documentary came out weren't really aware of just like the lineage of the NBA. It's so much recency bias, so much I'm just going to root for my player I like in 2K, other than knowing about the history of the league. So I think your book, I think it, it's it's very necessary reading for a lot of this younger NBA fans to really understand really what led to these the great dynasties up to this point. Can you kind of go over just the inspiration of creating this book and what you think readers should learn from this, you know, checking this book out. Well, in interest of being like 100% transparent, the inspiration for writing this book was the money that they paid me to write it. Like, let's just start there. (laughs) (laughs) This ain't no altruism here. But, uh, but once I got the assignment, once I signed the contract, I got the assignment. 
it was really fun to like take this journey through the NBA, NBA history. And I learned a lot that I didn't know. And just looking at it from that perspective, it just helps. It helps you. It helps explain now. It just makes a lot more sense. And it also like reminds you of your like parents or your uncles or your grandparents who would always be like, man, that's not, you know, like we used to listen to rap and my daddy or somebody be like, man, I ain't nothing but James Brown. And I'm like, what? That's too short. And they'd be like, no, nah, that's James Brown. Then you find the James Brown. You'd be like, yo, they, they, <laughs> they sampled it. Right. It's that same kind of vibe. And this book essentially looks at the dynasties, looks at the NBA history through the lens of the dynasties because they are what shaped the league, right? That everything is built on dynasties. The NBA completely about the juggernaut teams always has been. I know people were mad about the Warriors, but it's always been this way. It's and, and the periods where it's not, it's kind of down, right? People are like, eh, give or take, right? But uh, the, I start the book off by pointing out like one of the things about the NBA that makes it so like makes the fervor so great is like the NBA is really at its peak when you when people hate somebody who's good right if you if there's some hate in it where people got a reason to to not like people got to watch you cuz they love you and people got to watch you cuz they want they want you to fail and when you get that mix that's when the NBA blows up right like and that's mm-hmm. been I couldn't I didn't I could not fathom people who hated Jordan when I was growing up and I was like yeah. What could you possibly be taught? Like it, it, it blew my mind. It's like I hate Jordan. I'm like, what? totally. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy scene, but man, it has been. It has been the. It has been the invisible hand there the entire time. Some, some teams, some players get so good that you know it's the Howard Stern effect, right? Howard Stern had people listen to him who liked him, but most people listen to Howard Stern because they couldn't stand him and they wanted to hear how he would piss them off next, right? <laughs> but he ended up getting both audiences, right? That's kind of the NBA, and it's kind of built on that. And when when a team rises to that level where they just attract – where people don't like them there, then people love them, like then you get to come bustable element, and that's been the history of the NBA. So we just take it through those teams and look at how they shape the league how and here's the the great part was just how they shape culture, how they influence and reflect it like the times. And that's the part about the NBA that makes it unique. Like basketball players have always, but well not always, probably since the Russell Celtics have been in this kind of relationship with society where people look to them and, and what they say matters, what they do matters has impact, whether or not you whether you like it or not. You know, Bill Russell when Mega Evers dies goes to Mississippi and does a basketball camp in Mississippi after Megger Evers was killed. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like they had, yeah. they in the hotel with the shotguns. Cause you can't kill Bill Russell. This is Bill Russell. But he's like, yo, we out here. Like, you know, we're going to do something to, to build this community. So there's this been, there's this relationship with the NBA, it's stars, it's major teams and society that was interesting to look at and see how at every level, something is happening in America and at the forefront of it or kind of symbolizing it is the NBA dynasty, right? The nineties was all about, we got rich in the nineties. We was stunned. We was making it rain as a country. Everybody, the wealth was booming. 
And who was there at the top? It was Jordan. It was the Bulls. It was like the extravagance, right? It was like $120 sneakers and people getting robbed for them, right? Like it, you just couldn't separate it. So that was fascinating to me. Ironically, to not making it. a lot of money. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? That last, that last contract <laughs> on the Bulls. <laughs> making nothing. It's still like making incredible amounts of money. Uh, remember he was like, I'll pay for a million dollars for somewhere else. But like yeah. the Bulls got to give you forty, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> right. It was like, but like if you just just looking at it, and you can see, like you know, we talk about Luca, right? Luca doesn't happen in many ways without the Spurs. The Spurs made international players cool. Great like point. the Spurs, the Spurs made everybody step up their scouting game because they were finding these gems like Ginobili, Parker. They drafted Luis Scola. They were just finding dudes, and people were like, yo, if you want to compete, you got to put somebody in Europe. You got to figure this out. And now, like, we've seen this kind of growth, this global growth. Like, so just seeing how each of them impact, right? Uh, the, the bad boy pisses, we talk about the, you know, their style of play. You know what the bad boy pisses did? They brought the hood into the game. Mm. They brought poverty. They, they connected with the people who were impoverished. Detroit was a, in a terrible place at the time. Yeah. And they fell in love with these goons, right? And that became, that's the time where it's like, you got hip hop, you got inner city, you got like bl- urban blight and people trying to find some value and worth. And it's happening all across America. And here comes the bad boys who kind of get linked with the Raiders, right? That whole same vibe. Yeah. But people don't, man. So then we start looking at it from this perspective. I'm starting to say, man, y'all, yo, we sleep on the Celtics, man. Mm-hmm. We sleep on Bill Russell Celtics. Like, we, we're not paying attention to the impact that they made and how it's building. And, like, none of this stuff happens without George Mikan. Basket, pro basketball was a joke. Like, nobody cared. People watched AAU ball in college. They didn't care about pro basketball. They played in cages. People called them cagers because the game was played in cages because the original rules, right? You know how, like, if the ball go out of bounds, the last person touch it, the other team gets the ball. The original basketball rules were if the ball go out of bounds, the person who gets it gets possession. So if you go out of bounds, like, now you fighting for the ball. You Remember <laughs> we used to play that growing up where it was like, it's a loose ball, and whoever come yeah. up with it is the one who gets it. That's who ball it is. That's 21. what it was. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? That, that yeah. was the original rule. So now you got all these people in the crowd, and it's crazy, and it's fight. So they put up cages to, like, to because it delayed the game. It slowed everything down, so they put up cages. So pro basketball players became known as cagers, right? It was kind of a joke. It was like, sorry, look at these dudes in cages. And the game was like that. It was physical. It was ugly, right? And then some coach saw this goofy seven-footer named George Mikan and was and, and the light bulb went off in his head. Yo, that dude is hella tall. I bet if I taught him how to play, we'd have an advantage. <laughs> so he taught him, like, footwork, and he taught him, like, the, the Mikan drill, which is the famous drill we do today, right? Coaches all over the place do it. He taught them how to play basketball. And then Mikan becomes this draw, like this kind of freak show where it's like, yo, this dude is seven foot. Like this, he's holding the ball in the air. Everybody's running off of him. And that became the draw. And so all these leagues start building and they only are even surviving because of Mikan. And the one that didn't have Mikan is the one that's falling apart. 
Like, oh, Mikey went to this team now. Okay, that league is done. He was the, he was the only draw. And so now he ends up on the Minneapolis Lakers in the NBA or in the BAL or whatever. And then the, the two merge, and now you got this league. But nobody was watching pro basketball. They just wanted to see George Mikan, right? Kind of like us with Tiger Woods. Like, yeah. <laughs> anybody watching? I wasn't watching golf. I was watching Tiger. It was the same kind of thing. So none of this stuff happens. Nobody makes any money off of it, which means it doesn't happen if not for George Mikan, right? So all of that stuff starts making made me start appreciating it. It's like, oh, okay, now nah, I get it. And it just stacks on top of another one, stacks on top of the other, and you can see the link. So that's why, to me, it's just pointless to com- to com- you know, like compare them. It's better to evaluate the links, right, mm-hmm. to investigate. Yo, like, yeah, I see that. That's just like this, and that's just like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know who not on this list? Connie Hawkins. Connie mm-hmm. Hawk, no, no, Connie Hawkins was the Dr. J before Dr. J. And Dr. J was the Jordan before Jordan. And the Jordan was the Kobe before Kobe. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yep. so, yep. like when you do that, now you just get kind of more of an appreciation for it all than the silly Twitter argument about who, which team would be who, right? Say right. that for the CGI graphics. <laughs> which is kind of cool, though. Y'all see that Wilt, the Wilt uh, color? They they turned one of Wilt's games into like color and CGI. That thing it was really it's kind of wow. nice. Huh. <laughs> yeah, yo, it's it's hella awkward. It's like weird. It's like what am I yeah. watching? Is this a video <laughs> game? Or, but yeah, they they uh they pimped out uh Wilt's video, so now you can <laughs> now you can watch Wilt in color. Well, Marcus, thank you very much for coming on to the show. Really appreciate your insight. Can you let our audience know where they can find you on social media? And then also let them know where they can get your book as well as the other books you have written and then anything else you're working on for the rest of the year as well. So uh, my Twitter and Instagram, if you want to find me anywhere on social, it's Thompson Scribe. You know, that's that's my universal thing. Uh, so, But look, I'm going to tell you this right now. Don't come find me if you just hate me. Like anybody got time for all that? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to, you know, come holler, come, you know, talk hoop, all that. Yeah, I get, come to the top subscribe. The new book is out wherever you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Go holler at your bookstore, get it from your bookstore, or go to Target or Amazon. And I'm telling you, this is the perfect gift. Perfect gift. It's beautiful. It's got illustrations throughout the book. Uh it's 30 bucks. And it's probably like 25 on Amazon. So that's that gift. That's right in that gift range where you ain't spending too much, but you're not hella cheap, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. perfect, perfect gift range. Uh, and if you know anybody who cares about basketball, especially young people, man, they need they need the history lesson. They need to know the history of the game and where it came from. So, yeah, check it out. It's anywhere you buy books. Dynasties is a... Uh, uh it's, it's coming to you it's going it's, it's gonna be in stockings across the land don't miss out it's kind of awesome stockings to be honest it- <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the you coming out to the show right yeah <laughs> under the tree there we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> appreciate you coming out to the show marcus thank you very much for your time absolutely thanks for thanks for reaching out i appreciate that i, I love podcasts